for a second, I almost uh, forgot which button to hit. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, which I get like that one? sometimes too. No, I get like that sometimes too. Sometimes when you've been doing it enough, and it's it's like when you look at a word and suddenly it looks like it's not spelled correctly. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, yeah. You've just been looking at it for too long. Yeah, I get that. I <laughs> believe me, I get it because I do that with pronunciations too. Which we'll probably see a bunch of. Hello, uh, hi, this we is will. Crime Culture. We will, we will. Hello, this is Crime Culture, and this is Caitlin. It is, and this is Haley. That is Haley. We've got such a fun episode today. We do. Because you have to do it. <laughs> Alright, wow, okay. <laughs> and I just have to listen to it and be shocked. You know what? I'm not liking you very much today. I'm actually excited for this one because I don't know this case like at all, and I've seen like a couple things about it, and I've actively avoided looking at it because I want to be horrified and surprised. Oh, you'll be horrified and surprised. I I'm promise. so excited. Um, for those who don't like to read titles, we're talking about Robert Burdella today, yes. aka the Kansas City Butcher. Um, and one little known fact that I'm going to just mention before I get into it. So we have like, theoretically, the big three, Ted Bundy, Ed Kemp, I'm not Ed Kemper, I'm sorry, Ed Kemper, Ed Gein, and, mm-hmm. um, and Jeffrey Dahmer. Those are like, for all intents and purposes, those are the ones that people like, no. Yeah. Berdella belongs on this list, but for whatever reason, he's more of a like local to kansas city type of person weird i i don't know if it's because the body count is not as high as say like bundy's or i like i genuinely or don't the victim, know but the victim uh type is not similar um the victim type is somewhat similar to Dahmer. okay um but we'll get into it spoiler alert tag your spoilers um so that's the end of that accent. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're going to jump right into it. And as I said before, Robert Andrew Burdella Jr., um, that's his name. And he was born in, here we go, guys, take a deep breath, Kaihaga. 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 So I can't wait for someone to tell us what it's really. Kaihaga. So here's the thing, like, I have, so I found multiple pronunciations, okay. and they are all different. Yeah, so, I've seen people, like, on the local news by us, when they, like, say the name of a town that's next to us, they say it incorrectly. So even if you find a news report, sometimes it's incorrect pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, so I'm going to go with what I think is the correct one, and that's Kaihaga okay falls Cuyahoga falls it's spelled exactly how you would not think it's pronounced which is c-u-y-a-h-o-g-a and then falls if you can't spell falls then you shouldn't be here um ohio and that was on january 31st 1949 and he was the oldest of two children born to robert burdella senior who was a die setter for ford motor company and mary Mm -hmm. burdella who was a homemaker and Berdella's dad was an Italian Catholic, and he raised his family, therefore, in a deeply religious household. They went to mass every week. Mm-hmm. The sons, like, went to religious ed regularly. Like, he he was very much raised in it. 
yes, he was very much in it. He would be celebrating Easter this past weekend if he was like still alive. Yeah. Um, and still cat. Anyway, um, so things weren't really all that great for young Bobby. Um, teachers described him as being difficult to teach. Um, some even called him aloof, but he got good grades. Uh, Berdella himself also suffered, the kid, not the dad, um, mm-hmm. suffered from nearsightedness and was forced to wear really thick glasses at the age of five. And mm-hmm. he also claimed that he had to have surgery to improve his jaw. He had, like, a, a jaw problem of some sort where it, like, jetted out. Oh, and yeah, like an underbite or something? Kind of, yeah. Um, okay. he had a, He had a lisp, like, I, as part of growing up and as part of his jaw issue and because kids are cruel he was therefore bullied a lot yeah um he was also diagnosed with high blood pressure as a child for which he took several medications so that made him largely unathletic so that also didn't really contribute to his ability to make friends and to like find his place in school so teachers when they were describing him as aloof it's kind of like no wonder yeah Um, Then at home, to make matters worse, his dad made it very clear that he preferred Berdella's younger brother, Daniel. Um, He was younger by seven years, and he was essentially the golden child because he was popular, he was smart, he was athletic, he didn't have any physical problems that Robert had, so he Mm. was... he, He... it was smooth sailing for him. Yeah. And his father, being one who valued sports and physical education just kind of made it super obvious that Daniel was his favorite and that Robert could go, like, get fucked. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately not uncommon. Oh, absolutely not uncommon. I mean, I feel for Robert. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so Robert Sr. would also... This this is unfortunately also not uncommon. um, Would occasionally beat his sons with a leather strap as a form of discipline. Mm. Um, And... As we know, that that can also contribute. I consider it to be abuse. I don't know how often he did it, but I don't think that's a way that you should treat your kid. And therefore, it's I not would the, it's, it's not the occasional up. like smack on the ass if they're being uh, like snippy. It's you're beating them with a belt. That's that yes. is abuse. Yes. Um, but so moving a little bit forward, 1965 was a rough year for Berdella, who was 16 years old at the time. Um, His dad died suddenly of a heart attack on Christmas Day, and he was only 39 years old. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, the family went to visit other family in Ohio, and his dad dropped dead that night. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, His mom remarried soon after, and it's not really clear if it was, like, the dude or just, like, the marriage in general, but Berdella hated it. And, um... To make matters worse, he was, this same year, his dad's dead, his mom's remarried, and he also was raped by a man he worked with in an Ohio restaurant. Oh my god. Yes. So, unsurprisingly, Berdella stopped going to church. Yeah, no Uh, shit. (laughs) Can't say I blame him after all of that. When you're a teenager and you're already questioning things and all this shitty stuff happens to you, absolutely, I can understand it. Yeah. Um, But this was also the year that he first watched the 1965 film adaptation of the John Fowles book, The Collector, which was directed by William Wyler, um, who, for those who don't know, he's a pretty renowned director. He's he's 
right up there in my opinion with like Scorsese and Mm -hmm. and just he's genuinely I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anything anybody would know um from him yeah um like Ben Hur like I know him I know him from Roman Holiday because I'm a big Audrey Hepburn buff but um Mm -hmm. he's he's very he's very he's a very good director and the plot of the movie is that a lonely man stalks and then abducts a young woman, keeps her captive in his windowless stone basement, and he kind of views her as little more than an attractive specimen. Ooh, and after I don't several like weeks, that, that phraseology. Oh yeah, no, I didn't <laughs> like the phrase either, which is why I was like, "That's going in." Yeah. <laughs> um. So he, like I said, he didn't view her as more than an attractive specimen, and. After several weeks, the female captive ends up dying of a contracted illness, despite her captor's efforts to keep her alive. Um, That being said, the film has a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Does it really? Yes. Um, Wow. We we have a little truck friend that I heard. Um, Yes, I live on a main street, so you're going to hear a bunch of those. I just wanted to acknowledge. I I I hear you. I see you. You you are a part of this now, Mr. Truck. That's, yes. that's with the windows closed. Ew. Yeah, it's loud. Yeah, that's not cute. That's not cute. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, go on. Hundred percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not surprised because in addition to William Wyler directing, it stars our boy, Terrence Stamp, who some of you may remember. I've mentioned him before. For those of you who don't or who haven't listened, you'll know him best as being that creepy butler dude from Haunted Mansion. I love him to pieces. Um, and he's he plays the, the crazy stalker man. Ooh, um, interesting. Yes, which is a perfect role for him because he's just got that look. But moving on, look. he's got the creep look. You, you, I, we were talking about this earlier. I can't believe you can't remember him. I um, don't. He, he's, he's just, he's, in my opinion, he has an iconic look, but that's just me. Apparently, apparently not as iconic as I thought, but that's fine. <laughs> iconic to you. <laughs> yes. Um, the film also has a 7.6 out of 10 rating on IMDb and a Google score of 88%. Wow. And so it's yeah. almost like universally liked on it's, every yes, front. Yes, it was actually, it appears to have been remade in the past couple of years. That oh. one did not do well. That yeah, one, it's, it's hit or miss with remakes. That one got like a two and a three in terms of ratings. Oh. Yeah, it, it did hella not well. All but, right, um, then. For the for the good one, for the 1965, the original, Verdella would later admit that the movie left a lasting impression on him, calling the film, quote, my darkest fantasies becoming my reality, mm. end quote. And he earned his other nickname of The Collector as a result of this movie because he took Creepy. such inspiration from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then two years after seeing this movie in August 1967, at this point, Bordella's 18, so what do you do when you're 18? You get into the workforce or you go to school. And so he enrolled in the Kansas City Art Institute, where oh. he immediately began to abuse and sell drugs and alcohol. Um, as one, what else are you going to do in art school? I was going to say, as some do in college, not even just in art school. I knew my fair share of people who partook in that sort of thing, the, right. those sorts of sales at my alma mater. Um <laughs> And by new, I mean new of them because I was a scared, doe-eyed little Bambi my freshman year. And yep, yep probably still am now, but that's fine. Um, and But the following January after he enrolled, so this is January 1968, 
Um, Berdella was arrested and pled guilty to selling amphetamines to an undercover agent. He received a five-year suspended sentence, and then the following month, he was arrested again for possession oh. of LSD and marijuana. And he spent five days in jail, but then the charges were dropped for lack of evidence. So, All right. Yeah. Um, at this time, he, while he was in art school, he killed a duck and a chicken. What? So there's a little bit of animal abuse up in there, and yeah. I... I was massively not okay um, yeah. with that one, but I was even less okay with the fact that he would also, later on, test various drugs on stray dogs prior to committing <gasps> the crimes he's known no. for. Yeah, I, I was like, fuck this guy. I like yeah, that, this guy sucks. That sealed it for me. I, I kind of had an idea of what he did. At the point that I got into this point in my research, I was still like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um now 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 he's gotta go now he deserves to die but um at this time on top of abusing poor innocent animals he also began working as a short order cook the following year at the age of 20 Berdella dropped out of school and bought a house at 4315 charlotte street in kansas city where he would live until his arrest and you can drop also, out of school and buy a house. Yeah, in I got the 70s. pissed at that too. That's a crime in and of itself, folks. At <laughs> yeah. twenty, yeah, you can buy a house old. at twenty. And not for anything, we'll get into this like a little bit more. Like the house had three floors. Shit, fuck this guy. Yeah, right. Like they people, give houses people, away? and he was able to like keep it. He's up. a short order. He cook. was able to maintain it. He he did he did he had like he paid people to do like yard work to do like roof Shit, work. Man. We'll get into this. We'll get into this. But like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. Got... That that was the moment that I was just like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, <laughs> we got dealt a <laughs> shitty hand. But yeah. anyway, um, meanwhile, from my apartment that I'll probably never be able to afford to live out of, uh, yeah. throughout the 1970s, Berdella became more accomplished as a chef and worked for many well-known restaurants and country clubs. Uh, he also wrote restaurant reviews for the Kansas City Star, and he even joined the local chefs association where he set up training classes for aspiring chefs. Um, so he really seemed to be like getting his life together. He also opened up about his homosexuality. Um, he wasn't really sexually active until like his 30s, aside from that rape. But he always, which I don't consider for the record sexual activity, but some no. people might. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but he, once he hit puberty, he kind of became aware that he was gay. So it wasn't like... Okay. He was just like, yep, I'm gay now. Like, he he kind of had always been. Yeah, he, just didn't he, want to say he didn't, he didn't try to hide it or anything, but he also wasn't, like, out. And so yeah. in, his, in his 20s and 30s, he came out more. Um, he, but, yeah, he began renting space at the Westport Flea Market, which is still standing today. And he sold oddities, artifacts, antiques, primitive art, such as human skulls and shrunken mm. heads, and jewelry. Um, and for the record, the whole, like, him coming out as gay thing and the whole, like, him selling all of these things at the flea market and joining the flea market, they're not related. I just no, felt like I needed not. to put... I No, but I felt like I needed to put that in there because I knew that... I felt that we'd get one person that's like, oh... So you think that just because he's gay, suddenly he's got to join a flea market? Like, no, that was just an interest of his. 
That's and just... honestly, by the description of some of those things, it would be one of the booths at the flea market that I would stop at and like want to buy some weirdo things from. Not the oh, human skulls. You 100% just, would, though. Just like weird cursed objects. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, at the time of his arrest, actually, he had four that were later proven, I believe, to be like fake skulls. Because the final Creepy. four, no, 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 no. He had them on display at his store when okay. like, he had them on display with a sign that said the final four, because at that moment in time, the final four playoffs or whatever you call them were taking place in Kansas City. Oh, like so he's a jokester. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's kind <laughs> of clever. <laughs> um, Like, it's fucked up because it happened literally at the same time he was getting arrested. But yeah, it's clever. But yes, so his shop, he called Bob's Bazaar, Bazaar. And so then to spell that out for everybody, because I know it sounds like I just said like two similar. No, like Bazaar is like a word for like a a flea market. Yes, but first is flea market Bazaar and second is weird Bazaar. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, If that makes any sense. So for those who don't understand, it's Bob's, B-O-B-S. Um, there's an apostrophe because I know somebody's going to be like, oh, so we don't believe in punctuation now. Um, <laughs> and then bizarre, B-A-Z-A-A-R, and then bizarre, B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. Um, so he flipped them. Yes. and, and So he's still t- a jokester. <laughs> he's still a jokester. And let me tell you, those jokes still keep hitting because you don't know how many times I kept fucking it up when I was writing these notes. All right. Um, so he also assisted, this I found creepy. Um, in the organization of local crime prevention and neighborhood watch associations. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Sometimes, uh, like, we heard with um, Bundy, like, he worked on um, a suicide hotline. Yeah, yeah. And Dennis Rader, uh, BTK killer, installed... He installed uh, ADT. Yeah, he, he installed security systems. Like I don't know, people... do we put allegedly? Because it was, I'm 99% sure it was ADT, but also I don't want ADT to come after us because... I don't know. I knew it was security systems. I, I don't know what uh, okay. company it was for. But yeah, so Allegedly. It's, it's not weird that some of these uh, criminals yeah, they, they try to... Yeah, they interest somewhere. Yeah. Or, or even, and we're going to get to this one, but the Golden State Killer and how yeah. he was a cop. Yeah, they, exactly. Like, hello. Um, hello. Um, giving yourself a little bit of an edge there. Yeah. Uh, but so, yes. So, that being said, um, in 1981, at the age of 32, Berdella quit his job as a cook and began to work full-time at his Bizarre Bazaar. And, see, I did it again. I, I know that it may not have sounded like it, but in my head, I put the one before the other. God damn it. <laughs> it's his ghost. Um, so, although occasionally making a generous monthly profit, it was relatively unreliable and the income that he typically generated from his business was not sufficient enough to maintain his daily expenses and to make ends yeah. meet. Um, which makes sense. As a result, yeah. Bordella would occasionally have to either sell goods to fellow merchants at a profit loss or steal and scavenge for items to sell at his booth. Oh. And yes. And additionally, to make ends meet, um, he would take lodgers at his home as a means of gaining additional income. And he also got into a serious relationship with an unstable Vietnam veteran at this time. 
However, the relationship did not last long, and after this, Bordella began picking up young male sex workers, befriending them, and often allowing them to live with him in exchange for helping around with housework. Mm. And he tried to get many of them to quit their sex work jobs and to get their lives in order. So... Mm. That being said, around this time in the early 1980s, Berdella became acquainted with a fellow merchant named Paul Howell, who operated a booth adjacent to his own. And soon, Berdella also became acquainted with Paul Howell's younger son, Jerry. And initially, mm-hmm. Jerry and his friends, they like made fun of and taunted Berdella because he was an out weird. gay man. Well, yes, that too. Oh, but okay. Not weird, queer. And although Berdella, like, according to him said that Jerry later confided in him that he and his friends occasionally earned money as male sex workers. Mm -hmm. This isn't like his, like his family, Jerry Howell's family was like, nah. So, so we'll see. But, um, on July 5th, 1984, Berdella abducted Jerry on the promise of driving him to attend a dance contest in another town and according to Berdella, he plied Jerry with alcohol, Valium, and Asapromazine, A-C-E-P-R-O-M-A-Z-I-N-E, both in his car and at his house until he went, until the kid went unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 19 years old, I should also mention at the time. I was just going to say, I was going to ask how old he was. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, barely legal. Yeah. Um he then, after Jerry fell unconscious, and I'm, I would refer to Jerry by his last name typically, but his dad is also Howell, so yeah. it's like I don't want to get, I don't want to confuse anybody. Yeah. Um, but he did then inject him with animal tranquilizers. He Oof. bound and gagged him to a bed, and sodomized him repeatedly. Oh wow. Yes. Berdella also took numerous pictures and kept a detailed log, which he would do for all of his other crimes as well. Um, Berdella also recalled that, like the other victims that he would hold captive in the future, Howell repeatedly pleaded for his life and asked for his ongoing abuse and torture to cease throughout the period of his capture, although Berdella would ignore these pleas and instead taunt or threaten Jerry and his other victims. Yeah. Um, he also, Berdella also was adamant to investigators that what he did to Jerry wasn't for his enjoyment, but for what he called his, quote, physical and mental satisfaction, end Uh. quote, which, mm, okay. Yeah, playing the I have a sexual problem card is not going to work when you Mm, try to abduct somebody. Yeah, no. But so then on July 6th, the next day, according to Berdella, Jerry, quote, either asphyxiated on his own vomit or the combination of the gag and the medicines were too strong for him to be able to catch his breath, end quote. Oof. Um, In short, he died. Um, And Berdella would later state that he did briefly attempt to perform cardiopulmonary resuscitation upon Jerry, but he may have, he may not have, either way, it was unsuccessful and so he Berdella dragged jerry's body to the basement and hung him upside down cut slits in the body in order (gasps) to drain his blood and then dismembered the body using a chainsaw and boning knives wrapping the sections in newspaper and trash bags which he then put in larger trash bags 
And oh he, oh no, it gets cuter, it gets better. Left them on the curb where the oh. garbage men picked up the trash, took it to the dump, and that was it. Never found. Wow. Yes. Later, That's he was nuts. actually that is ballsy. Yeah. To just put all of that on yeah. the curb. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, and who's he did really this with all of his victims. Garbage? Yeah. And he wow. did it, no offense, like, he did it quickly enough that it didn't really, and correctly, I guess, enough that it didn't it really didn't start raise to smell any or decompose yeah. or anything like that. Like, you weren't gonna, like, nowadays, like, there's so many sick fucks like us out there that we're gonna see a trash bag on the side of the road and immediately go, oh, it's a dead body. But yeah. back in the 80s, that's not, you immediately, oh, they're getting rid of, like, fucking, I don't know, like tab cans and pillows like i mean it's not yeah and he's and he's disposing of it in a way that uh it doesn't really raise any red flags like it's not like it's not like a garbage bag that was like thrown in a river or like right uh, you bury them in your backyard or like it's very innocuous yeah um that's so that's that's almost creepier to me yeah it's to me to me too just the fact and these poor garbage men that they didn't know like what they were handling um, and how close they were to like but such a you dangerous are right. person. It sounds very, it sounds very Dahmer esque. Yes, yeah. In the um, uh, the type in the of mo crimes. and yeah. Well, and yeah. It, it, there's some there's some more Dahmer esque stuff up in here. But um, so later, uh, Berdella was questioned by officers regarding Jerry Howell's appearance, and Berdella claimed to have driven him to Merriam, which was the town where the dance was in um Mm -hmm. the dance contest um as they had agreed upon and that they parted ways around like close to jerry's destination and that he hadn't seen him since Mm -hmm. and that was that because they had nothing to go on yeah there was no security cameras or and there was no body yeah and he was a 19 year old kid even, yeah, they even could, today, they could just say he ran away or something. I was gonna say, even today, the likelihood of them say of authorities saying, "Oh, well, they just ran away," as opposed to the kid was abducted, the kid was murdered, you don't the really kid hear was sold into sex running trades. away anymore, though. You don't, but yet it's still a fucking thing that people say. Oh well, yeah, they're true. they're a kid; they could have run away. Yeah. No. No, um, do you, especially nowadays. Like, do you know how much like money you theoretically need to have to run away? Like, yeah, mm. yeah and you can't really hitchhike anymore. You don't really hear about anybody no, doing that. No, nobody hitchhikes anymore. That's that's like asking for it. People don't even want to get into Ubers anymore after that poor I, girl yeah. at USC. Yeah, we could talk about that. That's fucking crazy. Mm, that's but, um, that's upsetting. Yeah, but still, that's yeah, it's fucking nuts. It is. It is. Uh, they they question one guy and he's like, "Yeah, I dropped him off." And then they're like, "All right, well, that leads." Well, lost. they did no, but they did suspect him. They just had nothing that they yeah, could. Yeah, because he's like the last guy that saw him. Yeah, and even after they didn't have anything to charge him with, they couldn't arrest him. All that other stuff. But even after yeah, they were like, they didn't have something a body, tells so... me that he did it. Yeah, um, they just had nothing to go off. Like you said, they had nobody. But um, yeah. so moving on, on April 10th, 1985, Berdella invited an acquaintance named Robert Sheldon to stay at his house for a couple of days. Um, it was more, it was less of an invite and more of Robert being like, hey, I need a place to stay. Can I stay with you? And Berdella was like, okay. 
Um, yeah. Because although he found Sheldon to be an inconvenience for like kind of just showing up, um, Berdella was adamant that he felt that he held no firm malice toward Sheldon, but mm-hmm. saw him as an individual upon whom he could quote express some anger and frustration that I had toward other people on. So he was like a punching bag for him. Basically, basically, except a little bit more than punching. Uh, yeah, a little bit more vicious, I would think. Yes. Um, so that being said, he injected Sheldon with drugs with the intention of, quote, keeping him like he did to Jerry Howell. Yeah. Uh, however, the next day he decided not to, quote, keep Sheldon and instead took him to the doctor because Sheldon was complaining of being sore from the drugs. Oof. The day after the doctor's visit, though, this whole this guy, he needs to like make up his goddamn fucking mind because then he's like he, at the day after the doctor's visit, he's like, uh, I guess I'll keep him. I See, guess that's, that's also that's weird, too, because he already like showed part of his hand by bringing him to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. But but so Sheldon was weird. drunk. Sheldon was drunk. And so yeah. Berdella was like, I can do this. And so while he was drunk, um, Berdella drugged Sheldon with sedatives and tranquilizers, bound and gagged him just like he did to Howell, yeah. and then sodomized and tortured him repeatedly for days. Now, this is where I'm going to stop, everybody. <sighs> Unless you're Haley, you can skip this. Oh, Haley, no. you're a little fucked. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is like super gross. When throughout, and I will say that the torture just keeps getting worse, and I will keep warning people. But like, remember our Sylvia Likens episode? Yeah, that was a that was a, ner- a gigantic that was nervous, bummer. That was nervous laughter. Yeah, no, this is this is. I was queasy after Sylvia Likens. I was arguably queasier after this. Okay. Not this specific one, but just this episode in general. But here's where it starts. So. The forms of torture inflicted on Sheldon included the swabbing of drain cleaner in his left eye. Uh, Okay, I'm done already. The binding (laughs) of his wrists with piano wire with the intention of permanently damaging the nerves of his hands. Uh. I want you to hold something. I want you to hold something soft. Okay. I want you to snuggle something real hard. Oh no, I don't like it already. Because the final form of torture is the insertion of needles beneath his fingertips. That is literally like saw level. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Torture yeah. that I cannot even. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I had to go pet my cats after after <laughs> writing this episode. Like I literally was like, I just need something soft to I'm snuggle. I'm just here with like clenched fists. I'm I'm, I'm the squeamishest. I, that's not even a word. That's squeamish-ist. how squeamish I am. Squeamishest. Um, can't say normal fucking words, but I can say squeamishest, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really this is a fucked up one. This is a tough one. That's fucking and gross. These people didn't fucking deserve this. Sorry. No, of course not. Um, this guy's a fucking psycho. Yes. So then, uh, while he still has Sheldon as his victim as his captive. On April 15th, a workman arrived to do some roofing work for Berdella, and Berdella suffocated Sheldon by placing a plastic bag over his head, which he then tightened with a piece of rope so that the workman couldn't hear him. Oh my god. He then placed the body in the bathtub on the third floor of his house and made incisions to allow the blood to drain, which he then 
like after it was all out, he dismembered and disposed of the body just like he did with Jerry, except he kept the head and buried it in his backyard. All right. Which now that I think about it, that's a little Kemper. That's a little bit of Kemper. That's that's Kemper. I am getting notes of Dahmer. I am getting yeah. vibes of uh uh those Gacy. were the main two. Oh, I guess yeah. a little bit Gacy. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Uh, but I got. But that's what I'm saying. Like this guy should be. N- now again, I'm not saying he should be vilified. I'm not saying any killer should be vilified. But I feel like he should be, in terms of like the infamy that Dahmer and Bundy and Gein and even Kemper have, yeah. that this guy should be up there. That yeah, but then we then we run into the the whole other conversation, which could be its own episode of like, uh, do we vilify these, these people? Which yeah, we're giving not these doing people too much for the record uh, notoriety. Yeah, but I'm I yeah. guess I'm just more surprised that more people don't know about this guy. Yeah, but I guess it's not really ba- about me and my feelings. Uh, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, it's not about me. Um, since, so, since we uh, have views, allegedly. So later that year, Berdella met another man named Mark Wallace, who had done some yard work for him in the past. So they were kind of like work acquaintances. Yeah. Um, and on June 22nd, 1985, Berdella found Wallace hiding in his tool shed, seeking shelter from a violent thunderstorm. And oh, so he... Weird. Yep. No, well, not really, because those are the types of characters that Berdella... I don't want to say attracted. No, attracted, I guess, is the best word to put. Like, he kind of made a name for himself as, oh, if you need help, come to me. Like, Uh, yeah, yeah. His house was kind of like the the halfway house for anybody. For anybody who was, like, particularly a sex worker, but just, he he was like... I'm here for my fellow, especially like homosexual men, but just for my my fellow humans. Down and out people. Yeah. 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 Um, Like a lot of people, like I said before, like he would let them stay at his home for free as long as they just did some chores. Yeah. Um, So that being said, he found this guy like hiding in his tool shed. And so he this guy wallace he found wallace hiding in his tool shed so he invited wallace inside and noting wallace's acute state of tension and depression and just clearly like he was kind of like mentally unwell yeah um he volunteered to inject him with chlorpromazine with the explanation that it would quote calm down and relax him end quote I don't want anyone to inject me with anything and be like, yeah, this is this will totally kill what ails you. Don't you get tattoos? Don't you get injected with things like regularly? Yeah, but I, I'm I'm freaked out. <laughs> I'm going in. I'm going in somebody's house. Like this guy invited me in. And, but he like, trusts him. Just casually has a needle. Yeah, it's the '80s. That's true. <laughs> All right, go he has on. a needle. It's it's the '80s. Fucking everybody has a needle. They have at least one. They Sometimes they have they like their. They don't know what's wrong with it yet. Like you know how you've got like your your regular like IKEA plates, and then you got the good china. They had that with needles. Are you kidding me? I don't know what you're talking about. Good china. I'm fucking not. I don't in have. My 50s I don't yet. have good china. I don't. <laughs> I will never have good china. It's like having a house. That ship has sailed. It'll never happen. Um, I will be in my apartment with my Ikea china until I die. And I use the word china very loosely. Yes. But so, yeah. So, he injects this guy. He injects this guy. Wallace 
very willingly accepts the offer. And 30 minutes later, Burdella decided to render him captive. All right, everybody, get ready. Quick decisions. <laughs> Quick decisions? What do you mean? It's just like, in 30 minutes, he's like... Yeah, oh, right. oh, I thought you were saying everybody needed to make, like, a quick decision. I was like, about what? Like, if they want to well, hear this or not, they could yes, just skip it. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> yeah, make a quick decision, guys, if you want to hear this. Um, you don't want to hear this. If you're, if you're squeamishist, how, what did I say? I yes, guess squeamishist. I squeamishist. Yeah, I think it was squeamishist. If you're squeamishist, like me, skip it. Um, so, yeah, so according to Berdella, um... Well, first of all, he tortured and sodomized Wallace for several hours. That's his basic MO. Um, yeah. but Which is still horrible, but at this point, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, but according to Berdella, one hour after his torture of, quote, experimenting with hypodermic needles by inserting them into uh-huh. various muscles upon his victim's back, Wallace died from a combination of, quote, the drugs, the gag, and the lack of oxygen, end quote. Berdella oh, also... God, how horrible. Oh, it gets worse. Berdella also eerily noted that his victim's time of death was 7 p.m. on June 23rd. Like, 7 p.m. on the dot. He was like, oh, yeah, and funny thing. Oh. Yeah. That's he's gross. He's a... He's a... I don't even know what to, like... I, it, 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 I'm heavily uncomfortable by by this man. Yeah. So then he did what he always does, and he disposed of the body, drained it, chopped it up, put it out for trash, which still just baffles me. That yeah. This is the third time, third, fourth time now? Third? The third, yes. Yeah. Um. Right? We've talked about, yeah, it's, third. It's become like a system now. Yes, it no, it completely has. He if he like we've talked about this before. Thankfully, a lot of these killers get lazy or they get complacent. Exactly. Yeah. And they fuck up. And thankfully he did and he did it sooner rather than later. But yeah. Oh God, it'd be better if he just didn't do it at all, but that's fine. I mean, I guess yeah. I guess that's asking for the moon here. Um my dream would be to have no more content for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, but so, yeah. So on September 26th, 1985, Berdella then picked up an acquaintance named James Ferris at a gay bar and took him back to his place. He then drugged him with crushed tranquilizers that he concealed in a meal and then tied him to one of the beds in his house before torturing him almost constantly for approximately 27 hours. Oh, my God. Everybody get ready to skip. Yeah. The torture included repeated administration of 7,700 volt electric shocks <gasps> to the shoulder and testicles for up to five uh. minutes in each instance. Huh. And acupuncture via hypodermic needles to the neck and genitals. See, this um, is also giving me Albert Fish vibes. Yeah, yeah. With all I, the needles yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I got some Albert Fish vibes to that. That's who I was thinking of before with the needles under the fingers. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, no, Disgusting. you're skipping. You're skipping, so it's fine. <laughs> um, Everyone's skipping. It's just us now. Yeah, it's just you and me. Um, so then, understandably, Ferris eventually became delirious, but Berdella continued his physical and sexual assaults until he <sighs> noted in his log that Ferris was, quote, unable to sit up more than 10 to 15 seconds, end quote. End quote. 
How is this guy still awake for 27 hours to do all this? He's he's not. He's delirious. Oh, you mean you mean Berdella. Berdella. <laughs> Does like, this fucking guy I'm sleep? Like, I thought you were like not victim shaming per se, but I was like, what do you mean, Haley? <laughs> no, I mean like Yeah, no, I like, the I poor think it's guy the that high. has to be awake, but I think it's the high that he gets off it. Uh, yeah, it's the probably. adrenaline. Yeah. Was he doing drugs at this point? Probably. I doubt he stopped from all that time in art school. Especially yeah, if he's got true. all these needles and it's the eighties yeah um so that might so, have kept him awake yeah so the next entry in his log read that ferris had quote very delayed breathing end quote and finally Berdella noted that ferris died on september 27th from asphyxiation with a slang term he had used as during his career as a chef which Berdella said was 86 that's what the phrase is and yeah. he said that that meant anything from throw it out to stop the project that was a quote he quote meant Ooh. anything from throw it out to stop the project like so he just was very i don't even want to say clinical he was so like he didn't fucking care and that's really yeah, upsetting he was so nonchalant too. about it yeah it was it was just uh, oh, this fucking and the guy. fact that he's keeping this log he's keeping so much evidence like he either oh, doesn't he's keeping think the he's... log he's taking photos he's keeping souvenirs in some cases like jerry yeah. howell he kept his wallet i believe yeah, so it's either, like, he doesn't think he's ever going to get caught, or he's so crazy that he doesn't care. Or D, all of the above. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> oh, you're telling me. We haven't even gotten to the thick of it yet. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Um, so, Berdella, after now his third victim's death, um, he then disposed of the body as he had done with the others before him. And despite no, this the brutality, is fourth victim, isn't this it? is his fourth victim. Yeah. <laughs> As I said that, I was like, fuck. Um, <laughs> Elliot, Elliot, if you can just like superimpose the word fourth. Oh, Elliot, you use, your, you. use your voice and superimpose. He'll hear it. He'll fourth. hear it. Yeah, have Elliot be like fourth. <laughs> like, just can you imagine? Perfect. Um, so, yeah. So, after disposing of his fourth victim's body, he did what he did with all of the other ones, just bled him out, dismembered them, put them in trash bags, threw, threw him away. Um, and so despite the brutality to which he had subjected his first three victims, Berdella claimed that Ferris was the first victim upon whom he intentionally inflicted torture. So um, what was the other ones? Accidental? No, it was more that... Like, I guess more that, like, he was being mindful of it, if that makes sense. Like, you know how, like, all of, like, the hippy-dippies, myself included, we, we talk about mindful intentions and things like that? Yeah. That's essentially what he's saying. Ugh. Like, when he was, when he was, for those who have skipped, doing redacted, he was... Yeah. In in the moment and being like, yeah, I am doing this to fully you enjoy now. it. Yes, yeah. yes. Get something out of it. Um, he also informed investigators that there were occasions during his final three victims periods of captivity when he ceased making additions to his abuse logs because he assumed the victim, quote, would not be able to make it much longer. Oh, God. And this victim counted as one of those. Ferris. Yeah. Um, because, as you said, we are in number four territory. Approaching yeah. number five. We're, thankfully, we're almost done. Um, because I just, I can't even imagine. 
Um, yeah. So then, on June 17th, 1986, Berdella had a chance encounter with a sex worker he had known for a couple of years named Todd Stoops and invited him back to his house for lunch. Uh, Stoops um, was also an addict, and his wife and he had stayed with Berdella before in exchange for doing chores around the house and whatnot, just so Mm -hmm. they could get on their feet. And so therefore, when inviting Stoops over, Berdella gave him an added incentive of sex because Stoops had previously stated that he needed $13 to purchase drugs. $13. Well, but that's the thing, too, because I looked up the conversion rate because this is 1986, and that's around, like, 30 bucks today. Still? So, like, it's still, yeah, it's still cheap. Like, it's still not a lot of money, but it's, like, when you say $13 today, you're like, really? Only $13? That's, like, a venti whatever yeah. at Starbucks. It's, it's a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, obviously, Stoops did not get lunch. Um, instead, Berdella drugged and tortured him for weeks. Until on July 7th, Stoops died from blood loss, at which point Berdella did what he did best and got rid of the body. Um, in the fashion we are now accustomed to. In in the fashion we are now accustomed to. And Berdella would later stress to investigators that he had been extremely physically attracted to Stoops and that this victim was held captive for two weeks before he died, oh, with good. him gradually increasing his captive's terror to make him a cooperative and incapacitated sex slave. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, which, in not, I'm not making jokes about this or anything, but it reminded me of, did you ever see This is the End? Yes. Th- that, that fucking, everybody says it's a funny movie. That movie fucking terrified me. But anyway, um, that part where Channing Tatum became, um, was it Danny McBride's sex slave? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking of, though, that he, when he just like broke him. And obviously that's supposed to be a funny scene. But to me, that was like, oh my God. Like it was just really yeah. fucked up for me. Um, but see, I'm not completely callous. But um, yeah, so that's basically minus the gimp suit that's basically what he did to stoops um however berdella there's no there's no way around it there's really no way around it so everybody just skipped there's torture um, oh god he used electric shocks through stoops closed eyes in an attempt uh, to blind him oh god no and injected drain cleaner into his larynx uh, to silence his uh, screaming. Huh. During the second week of his capture, Stoops asked Berdella for a soft drink and a sandwich. And th- this this actually broke my heart. Um, this is terrible. No, no, you have no idea. Like, yeah, the torture is all, like, the physical torture is all yeah. is awful. Um, but Stoops asked Berdella for a drink and a sandwich. And when Berdella refused, Stoops burst into tears. Oh. Yeah, and that really, like, that just, that got me. It's getting me now. Um, just because the lack of humanity that this guy yeah, had. Yeah, right? Was just, oh, like, oh, what a dick. Jesus. Dick isn't even, like, a good word to describe no. it. But, um, like, he's just, he's he's not even human. Wasn't even no, human. Definitely not. Um. But so then on June 27th, and just like a little refresher again, so he's been, he's had stoops for 10 days now. Um, And this is another, so like, if you're still like freaking out about the torture, just keep skipping. Yeah. Because Berdella ruptured stoops' anal wall with his fist, causing bleeding and discharge. I don't even want to think about the 
amount of torture that went into that. The amount of torture, the amount of pain. Yeah. I, I, God. That's, um, the worst. Yeah. So then, towards the end of Stoops' captivity, Berdella tried to feed him ice cream and soup. Although Stoops, according to Berdella's notes, quote, wasn't able to keep anything down, end quote. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, this should not have come as a shock to him. Um... But by the final day of his captivity, Stoops was so weak that Berdella later stated he was unable, quote, to breathe in a sitting position, end quote. Jeez. And on July 1st, 1986, Stoops passed away. And a forensic pathologist later testified that the ruptured anal wall caused him to go into septic shock, which proved to be fatal. Wow. Yeah. And... That's horrifying. Yeah, this one was probably the hardest for me. Um, just to research and write about and everything. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not trying to say that, like, because obviously it was harder for him than it was for me. But I just that one was just the the extreme lack of humanity there. Just that he was he begged him not even like spare me, not stop the torture, not any just please feed me, like give me like just. Yeah. Treat me like a basic human being. Yeah. And he didn't. And it's, it's get like, that. Uh, not comparing, obviously, like whose torture was worse. But, yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, the crimes of uh, Dahmer and Bundy and like the big heavy hitters, the, the big ones. The big kahunas. Um, they're horrible, on par with how horrible this is. But the fact yes. that he's not as well known and. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like the fact that he deserves like to be condemned he, as much as they are. Yeah, the the fact that this is like the first I'm hearing. Yeah, of these crimes, it just it seems more horrific. Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so then, af- after Stoops's murder, the following year on June fifth, nineteen eighty seven, so almost almost a year to the day, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit more. Wait. Pause. Oh, my thing scrolled. My thing scrolled. <laughs> I got really confused. My notes scrolled without my permission. And I was like, what What the fuck do you mean? It's June. <laughs> and the then I, 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 yeah, I was like, what the what? Because um, it's supposed to be June. And I looked and it was not June. It was September. And I was like, we already talked about September. All right. um, anyway, moving on. Anywho. Um, so June 5th, 1987, he bailed out his friend who was 20 year old Larry Wayne Pearson, um, bailed him out of jail and was like, live with me while you get back on your feet. Uh, the pair had actually initially met and struck up a friendship when Pearson entered Berdella's shop and explained that as a child, he had held an interest in witchcraft and wizardry. Um, Ah. Yes. So they kind of bonded over that, and that's how they became friends. Okay. So then, according to Berdella, he didn't in- initially intend to capture this individual because he was his friend. Pearson was his friend. Yeah. Um, but he's a sick fuck. And so he eventually formed the plan to do so on June 23rd, 1987, when, after, like, this was 
after he had bailed him out, obviously. Um, Pearson began jokingly referring to his practice of robbing gay men in Wichita. That evening, Berdella ensured Pearson became drunk before injecting him with chlorpromazine and moving him down to his basement, where he bound Pearson's hands above his head, then linked the rope he had, the rope he had used for this purpose to a brick column before injecting Pearson's larynx with drain cleaner. Oh, Ugh. torture alert. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. So, according to Berdella, Pearson was by far the most cooperative of his six murder victims. This is ironic. Of course, because he was like friends. Yeah. But it's also ironic because we'll get into it later. It's, it's, it's hella, it's Ilana, it's Ilana, Alanis Morissette ironic. I can't speak today. Um, it's the hay fever, guys. Um, but so then on his, on Pearson's fifth day of captivity, having by this stage endured torture such as, again, skip, 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 um, the repeated administration of electrical shocks with the transformer, the breaking of several hand bones with an iron rod to render him submissive. Ugh. Yep. Berdella deduced that Pearson had earned his trust as to his continued cooperation in his sexual and physical abuse. So, as a reward, Pearson was moved up to the second floor of the house, with mm-hmm. Berdella first informing Pearson that if he continued to cooperate, he wouldn't inf- he would not continue to inflict as much pain on him as he had done while he was being held in the basement. Ugh, um, okay. So, wow. Big fucking whoop. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, then throughout the latter part of the six weeks of captivity, Pearson trained himself to sleep without moving so that he wouldn't antagonize Berdella and therefore invite him to torture him, beat him, return him to the basement, any of that, which is fucking sad. Yeah. Um, however, on August 5th, after holding Pearson captive for six weeks, I love this man. I, tr- I truly do. Mm-hmm. Ber- Pearson, not Berdella, for the record. Berdella went to the hospital after Pearson bit his penis, Bobbit style, <laughs> in an act of despair before screaming he could not continue to tolerate being treated in the manner by which he was being treated. Damn. A fucking Get it, man. Boy. What a hero. What a goddamn hero. Yeah. So, bites his dick, pretty good. Pretty, pretty clean, pretty solid, pretty gross bite. And because of this, um, obviously, like, with Berdella at the hospital, he was told by the staff at the hospital that he would have to stay there for a couple of days mm, in order to recuperate. Okay. So before he was officially admitted, he went home and suffocated Pearson with a plastic bag. Like a <gasps> bitch. Damn, I thought he was going to get out. I thought he was going to get out, too. When I read that, I was like, fuck, yes. But no. I didn't no. know they let you, like, leave the hospital and then come back. I don't know if he, like, if they knew he left. Oh, okay. Um, also, some places said that he did it, like, before, before he, he went, to the hospital. went to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. But that being, like, which I could kind of understand as in terms of being in a rage, but also, like, if I had a dick, I would want to get that fixed first. Yeah, probably. Um, so, either way, Pearson did he was murdered as a result of his self-defense yeah um 
And two days after the incident on August 7th, Berdella returned home from the hospital and disposed of Pearson's body, keeping his head and burying it in the backyard. Um, at this time, he also removed victim Robert Sheldon's previously buried skull, at which point it had fully decayed. It was just a skull, um, like yeah. just the bone. And he put it on display in his house. <gasps> yeah. But no worries. No worries. Because Berdella's reign of terror is almost over. Okay, um, good. At 1 a.m. on March 29th, 1988, Berdella picked up a 22-year-old sex worker named Chris Bryson and took him back to his house. Um, at Berdella's home, Bryson was knocked unconscious with an iron bar, and then he was bound to Berdella's bed, um, which is where he was subjected to similar methods of torture and abuse that Berdella's other victims had endured. Although in Bryson's case, Berdella repeatedly, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm getting into it, so I'm gonna just warn you now, skip away, like just, just skip it. Trigger warning it? Yeah, just skip it. Like, right. if I could, I would. Um, you can't. You're fucked. Um, he swabbed his eyes with ammonia before <laughs> exclaiming to Bryson, quote, the only things you need to think about are you, me, and this house. End quote. Creepy. Super creepy. Um, by the third day of Bryson's capture, he had earned sufficient trust from Berdella, um, and, like, enough so to establish a daily regime of tying his hands in front of him, after his sexual abuse rather than above his head mm -hmm. and like or to the bed or anything yeah. um and bryson used the excuse that berdella's doing so was restricting the circulation to his arms um all right he also persuaded berdella to leave a tv on in the room with the remote placed between his legs whenever berdella was out of the room however okay. he would later state to investigators that he had thought almost constantly about escaping yeah yeah and so on April 2nd, our other hero, Bryson, did just that. He burned through the ropes that Berdilla tied him up with using a book of matches Berdilla had accidentally left in the room and wow. left within his reach. And he jumped out of the second story window, broke <sighs> a bone in his foot in the process. Yeah. And then ran from the house wearing nothing but a dog collar around his neck. <gasps> spotted a meter reader across the street who took him into a neighbor's house to get shelter and to have the neighbor call the police. Yeah. So four officers arrived at the scene and immediately questioned him. And Bryson initially claimed that he had just been hitchhiking when he was abducted by Berdella, um, as opposed to being like, yeah, I'm a sex worker. Um, yeah, yeah. Who Berdella, he said, kidnapped, raped and tortured him for four days before he escaped by jumping from the window on the second floor of the property. As Bryson spoke, the officers also noted that in addition to the dog collar and broken foot, Bryson had red swollen eyes and visible scars and welts across his entire body to back up his story. Um, two officers were then told to maintain a discreet surveillance of the property as Bryson was driven to Menorah Medical Center. Um, he was accompanied by the third officer to the medical center. And the fourth officer radioed the Kansas City Police Department to request a formal search warrant of the property start to get drafted um on the afternoon of bryson's escape berdella came home and was arrested on charges pertaining to the sexual assault of christopher bryson he then declined well not then but at this time he declined to allow officers inside his home so the search warrant that had been requested earlier they like were like speeded up and they got it and searched were able to search his property 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, over the next couple of days, police searched the property. Um, they found Berdella's torture logs and pictures. Investigators also discovered the bedroom on the second floor, which was found to have burnt ropes attached to the posts at the foot of the bed. Mm-hmm. Also in the room was an electrical transformer plugged into a wall with wires leading to the bed. A metal tray containing syringes, small bottles apparently containing prescription drugs, swabs, and eye drops were also close to the bed. Mm-hmm. Also found in the room was a long iron pipe, various lengths of rope, and leather belts. Investigators also noted that although Bryson's restraints had been tied to posts at each corner of the bed, the other posts on the bed had been extensively worn, suggesting that restraints had been used earlier. Like, yeah, so this is b- with all these pretty posts. damning evidence. Yes, and that the individual or individuals who were restrained had struggled to free themselves. Yeah. So, Berdella was arraigned on seven counts of sodomy, one count of felonious restraint, and one count of first-degree assault. Initially, his bail was set at $500,000. However, bail was not shockingly revoked on April 5th, three days after Bry- um, Bryson's escape, when an officer testified that one of the men in the photographs from Berdella's house appeared to be dead. Yeah. A total of 334 Polaroid pictures and 34 snapshot prints of various male individuals were also found stowed in various locations around Berdella's house. Mm. Um, And these images depicted Bryson and several other individuals, both in life and in death, and many of the images had been taken while the subjects were being tortured. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine having to look at all that stuff? Well, it's funny you should mention that. the crime scene people? Oh, not just the crime scene people. Oh, no. James Ferris's wife identified him in several photos found at the Berdella property. (gasps) Some taken after her husband's death. And Paul Howell formally identified one picture of a young man hanging upside down in Berdella's basement as his son. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. That has to be the actual worst. Like, I, I... I, I've never obviously been in that position, but I would argue that that's seeing those images is worse than having to identify a body. Yeah, probably. because you know exactly what that person like you you're seeing what they what, endured. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I've never been in that situation. I hope to God I never am in that situation. Exactly. Um, but I just I I can't imagine. But um. Because several of the images found depicted a section of the body of the individual who was taking the photograph, though, on April 13th, Berdella was ordered to pose nude for a series of photographs in order to, like... See if it matched. Yeah, basically, like, they angled his body in such a way that they photographed it to see if it would match up to the body parts and the angles that were in the photos that they found. Specifically, like, it was mostly in the Polaroid images. Um, yeah they also found numerous male names that were scrawled on various stenographer pads at Berdella's address so the detectives began attempting to trace the individuals um one of them one of the people that was traced was a young man named Freddie Kellogg and he was able to state to detectives that he and several other young men had intermittently lived with Berdella since the early 1980s and mm-hmm. that Berdella had been in the habit of plying his lodgers with drugs, typically intravenously, before engaging in sex with them, regardless of whether they consented or not. Oh, wow. Yes. 
Um, Kellogg also stated that Berdella had expressly stated that a condition of his lodging with him was for Kellogg to persuade young men whom Berdella found attractive to attend parties at the Charlotte Street residence in order that Berdella could drug them too. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so should Berdella ever discover that any of these individuals was a police informant, he would use the knowledge as a tool in which he could blackmail the individual to his own advantage. So in spite of the living con- the condition of his living with Berdella, Kellogg further stated that numerous male sex workers and addicts had been reluctant to engage in any form of contact with Berdella because of the rumors regarding to his links of Jerry Howell's disappearance in 1984. Yeah. Um, in addition to these disclosures, Kellogg was able to name three of the men depicted in the Polaroids as being Todd Stoops, Robert Sheldon, and Larry Wayne Pearson. So that, and that rounded up everybody. With the exception yeah. of Berdella, who they figured out based on doing their own photo shoots. Yeah. Um, investigators later sought to obtain handwriting samples from Berdella in an effort to prove that he had written the notes found on the stenographer's pads. Um, mm-hmm. But he refused to cooperate and was actually sentenced to six months in jail for contempt of court. Wow. Yep. Um, so Berdella remained in jail while police found more evidence of his crimes. Uh, This included digging up his backyard, where they found Pearson's partially decomposed skull. Um, In that case, they used dental records, and they were able to identify him. Mm -hmm. Um, They did so with the other skull that they found. Um, Like, that was really, that was pretty much all they could find for any remnants for anybody. Anybody who was, like, sent to the trash, head and all, they, they never found them again. Um, the Kansas City Police Department assembled a special task force of 11 detectives and one sergeant to focus exclusively on Berdella's case. The search also uncovered several human vertebrae scarred by both hacksaw and knife marks stowed in a hallway, Oof. and several human teeth stowed in two envelopes. Oh. Yep. Both a hacksaw right, and a miter, I think is what it's called, saw? M-I-T-E-R? Okay. Um, if there's one thing I know less than how to pronounce names, it is how to pronounce tools. So and guns. <laughs> and guns. Um, I actually, quick aside, I've been getting really into crosswords lately because when I find that my memory gets a little like shoddy, I find that that helps. Um, Interesting. So I've been getting back into crosswords, and one of the clues was Colt forty five, and I thought it was a gun. Turns out it's alcohol. It is. It is. It is. And I was like, fuck. It, it, the the answer was malt liquor. And I was like, <laughs> I was like trying to figure out why there was a Q in the word pistol. And. Oh. Yeah. Sweet so summer child. <laughs> one, one might even say dumb, but we'll take innocent. I um, could say dumb. You could say dumb, but you didn't. And I'm just going <laughs> to not give you that opportunity because plenty of other people are going to. Continue Um, with the murder. Yes, I'm continuing with the murder. Thank you. Um, That sounded a lot more bitchy than I intended it to. That wasn't... I love you. It's okay. (laughs) Um, So, a hacksaw and a miter saw were discovered in the basement of the property, and a chainsaw was also found, and they found it to be stoiled... Stoiled. They found it to be soiled with bloodstains, flesh, and pubic hairs. Also confiscated... Yep. Um... Also confiscated was an extensive library on witchcraft and the occult and a, quote, satanic ritual robe. Mm. And we'll get into that in a minute, because apparently that's a bone of contention for our recovering Catholic. Um, 
and luminol tests revealed that the floor of Berdella's basement and two plastic trash barrels were extensively bloodstained. Like Jackson Pollock level, just... <laughs> I wouldn't even go... Splattered. Like, like, he cleaned it, but, like, when you when you put the luminol or whatever, they just glowed. Yeah. They just yeah. fucking... They just fucking glowed. Like, there wasn't, like... Jesus. Awful. Gross. Um, yeah. Hella gross. Hella terrible. Um, then on July 22nd, 1988, Berdella was indicted by a grand jury for the murder of Larry Pearson. In order to avoid the death penalty, Berdella pled guilty to Pearson's murder on August 3rd, 1988. Then, mm-hmm. nearly a month later, on September 2nd, the grand jury indicted Berdella for a second time for the murder of Robert Sheldon. Um, at that point, Berdella cl- cut a plea deal for life in prison in exchange for a full confession of his crimes on September 13th. Uh, okay. And to the dismay of the families of several of the victims who really wanted him to get the death penalty, Jackson County Prosecutor Albert Riederer, Riederer, R-I-E-D-E-R-E-R, agreed. And so from December 13th to 15th, 1988, Berdella confessed to his crimes in vivid detail, like such vivid detail that I can't even begin like the, it, it would yeah take, it must have been the worst to be on that jury well n- not even just that it, it, well and it wasn't also on the jury i mean he confessed he confessed to investigators but oh, okay. um but like for example we're an hour in yeah and there's so much more yeah. like in terms of like just the sheer torture and all the awful things that he did um so that being said um Berdella, said that he injected t- torture warning cock into his victims ears to deafen them oh wow in addition to other things that were mentioned um administering electric shocks to sensitive body parts starving his victims applying alkali based detergents to their throats and vocal cords and eyes uh, bludgeoning their hands with the intention of rendering these body parts unusable it just it, the list goes on um, yeah. His victims, he stated to investigators, had lost any degree of humanity in his eyes once he chose to render them captive. When he described how he viewed his victims once he decided to render them captive, um, Berdella said, quote, these were not people that I thought of once I had bound, once I had them bound and was using them. They became something other than people to me. I never thought it out to the level of what if one of these bodies ever gets loose? In addition to discussion... His in, that was the end of the quote. But um, mm-hmm. in addition to the discussion of his methods of torture and sexual abuse and how he felt about his victims, Berdella vehemently denied media rumors that he had been engaged in any form of Satanism or that he had sold sections of his victims' bodies at flea market booths because people were like, oh, those skulls, like the ones that I mentioned in the, yeah. in the window. Oh, my God, he was selling human skulls. Oh, my God, those shrunken heads were his victims, blah, blah, blah. He was like, no. Like, how dare you? And I'm like, how yeah, dare you, sir? because he was so religious for some fucking reason. No, he wasn't. But he was just, like, I think it was more that he wasn't religious. Like, I, I belong yeah. to no religion. It's, like, not Satanism, not, yeah, Catholic, not, not Catholicism. Yeah. Like, none of it. But also, he knew that that would paint him in a bad light. Yeah. Um, and he would get, like, nailed even more so. Um, exactly. So, although police had extensively searched for the remains of Berdella's victims through their initial investigation into his crimes, the confession Berdella provided to investigators in the autumn of 1988 had, or I guess it's winter. I wrote autumn. I shouldn't have written autumn, but it's hay fever, guys. Um, 
it confirmed that the dismembered bodies of all six of his victims had been stowed in trash bags and taken to the landfill. And because they weren't looking for bodies in a landfill, yeah, exactly. um, because why would you? They were never recovered, as I've said before, as I've implied. Yeah. Um, so Bordella then pled guilty to first degree murder in the death of victim Robert Sheldon and to four counts of second degree murder involving additional male victims on December 19th, 1988. Mm-hmm. Bordello was sentenced to life in prison in the state penitentiary in Jefferson City, Missouri. He was 39 years old. Whoa, I didn't realize how young he was. Yeah. Uh, it was at this time Bertella also announced that he had set up a fucking trust fund in the amount of $50,000 for the families of his victims. What a nice guy. Get fucked, Robert. Yeah, I don't want your... Also, fifty thousand dollars. That's less than that's less than ten thousand dollars per family. Yeah, and I don't want your stupid garbage money. Fuck no. Take some of those skulls, though. The the not human ones. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> so then, in January 1989, Berdella gave an exclusive interview with the Missouri-based television station KCPT. KCPT, yes. Um, in which he blamed the police and the media for distorting him and his crimes. Where have yeah, we heard that one did. before? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so Bordella then referred to himself as, quote, the neighbor next door who reached a point in his life where he could do monstrous acts. That's not the same thing as being a monster, end quote. I don't even know what that means. It means that he's going to do something and it's going to be huge and they're going to do it very bigly and he's going to gesticulate a lot with his hands while getting absolutely nothing fucking done. Yeah. Um, So even in prison, just like when he was in school, um, Berdella earned the reputation of being difficult. Um, However, this is a little bit different. Uh, He filed lawsuit after lawsuit that Jackson County paid tens of thousand dollars to defend. Um. At least five times, he sued the lawyers who had represented him. And he was also known to taunt his fellow inmates, which led to Berdella needing to be kept in protective custody. So he just pissed fucking everybody off. Yeah, and just cost so much money. Yeah, wasted so much money. Um, So then in January 1992, Todd Stoops' mother won a wrongful death civil suit against Berdella and was awarded a record five billion dollars. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, However, because Bordella obviously couldn't pay this amount, he set up a fucking pittance of a trust fund. Um, Stoops' mother was given a claim on basically any future earnings Bordella might make, whether he wrote, like, a book or if he was in, like, a docuseries or if he pulled, like, a Kemper and started narrating audiobooks. Yeah, any money that he made would, like, go straight to her. Any money that he made went straight to her. Unfortunately, though... She didn't really have the opportunity to get much because on October 8th, 1992, at the age of 43, Berdella died in prison of a sudden heart attack, just like his dad. Um, though there is speculation that he was poisoned, that was never, the death was never investigated. So we don't know if he was poisoned. Yeah. Um, but prior to his death, he had written to his mom that he was feeling, quote, yucky. Oh, we. Oh, poor little Wobber. He feeling yucky. Um, Piece of shit. Yeah, I know, right? Dick. Um, 
So he is buried at Oakwood Cemetery in fucking Cuyahoga Falls is what I'm assuming it's called in Ohio. That sounds right. So if anybody wants to deface some property, that's where you can go. Go to find Allegedly. Allegedly. We're not encouraging that. We're not encouraging that. Allegedly. Um, So shortly after Bardella's death, um, Bardella's death, I don't know why I said that, but um, the judge at his trial, Alvin Randall, was informed of his passing. And in response, Randall sarcastically remarked, quote, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> End quote. Same, Alvin. Yeah. Same. So exactly. the wife of one victim also said, quote, the guy didn't suffer long enough. We didn't get him executed, but God did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a local millionaire by the name of Del Dunmire, which is a very millionaire name, bought yep. most of Berdella's possessions, including his house, which he eventually demolished. And Good. as the work to demolish the house began in late 1993, a reporter asked a demolition worker what he thought would turn up. Um, quote, it's a strange feeling, the worker said. Quote, you kind of wonder what you might find when you take a wall panel out, end quote. Yeah, that's terrifying. Wouldn't want to work on that job. Like, no. just going to put that out there. But ultimately, haunted, haunted you don't know what's going to pop out. Like, uh-uh, no thanks. But yeah. ultimately, nothing was found. So, yeah. Because they just threw everything out. Well, not even that, but, like, the police did, like, an extensive, like, yeah, they, exactly. they tore the place apart looking for stuff. Um, so then in November 1988, auctions of Bordella's vast collection of artifacts and furniture confiscated from his home and business were held up on four separate dates with the intention that all proceeds raised at the auctions be used to pay for his legal fees with then ongoing legal proceedings. Because mm-hmm. um, he had all those fucking lawsuits that he filed. The auction attracted considerable national interest and attracted telephone bids from across the United States. And although many of the items sold less than what people ex- what the auctioneers expected... Um, by the end of the first day's auctioneering alone, more than $60,000 had been raised for this purpose, which, again, oh, wow. this is 1988. This is like... No, the, it's 1993, the auction. No, 1988. Right? No, ni- in 1988, after he had been arrested, after he had been sentenced, well, no, not after he had been sentenced, but after he had been arrested when they confiscated everything. Yes. Um, that's when they, they were like, okay, this is what we need. This is what we don't get rid of everything else. Yeah. So it's before he died. Mm hmm. Um, so in 1988, that $60,000 is equivalent to $127,000 today, which. Wow. Not half bad. Um, yeah, not that bad. Yeah. I, my only, my only qualm is I wish that the lawsuit had happened after Todd Stoops' mom won her wrongful death suit because then that's she true. could have gotten that 127000 but yeah. um or 60,000 what have you but um according to published reports although Bordella suffered from a depressive personality disorder he was also a diagnosed sexual sadist who gained extreme sexual excitation from humiliation pain and torture that he had submitted his victims to no mm-hmm. shit um and moreover despite his claims to media individuals whom he contacted over the years of his incarceration he also would correspond with anybody who wrote him yeah and just declare his innocence and that <laughs> everything's a lie and all that all their bullshit um yeah he never expressed any degree of remorse for his actions and would tersely refer to his victims as quote play toys 
which is oh, what God. he also used to refer to them when he was doing that KCPT interview. Yeah. Um, so, to get into some popular culture. Okay. So, this now I've got to come down from that because that's, whew, it's tough. Um, there is a 2004 documentary called Bizarre Bizarre. Exactly the way that we've been saying. Yeah. Um, and it was directed by Benjamin Mead and is based on journalist Tom Jackman's book, Rites of Burial. And the documentary recounts the murders committed by Berdella and includes archive footage of interviews with Berdella prior to his death. So it's kind of like a Ted Bundy tape style documentary without, you know, yeah. like promising more use of the fucking tapes by way of the title. Um, yeah. Also, it is hosted, for lack of a better word, by true crime author James Elroy who okay. we all know for Black Dahlia and especially L.A. Confidential. Yeah. Um, and basically, he acts as an interviewer, narrator, like a Barbara Walters type, if you will. Okay. And among those interviewed for the documentary is Christopher Bryson, um, mm. the victim that escaped. Yeah. I'm just clarifying for everybody else. And the documentary, despite all of these like big names, has or big names for the case... Um, mm-hmm. It has a 13% score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 3.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And oh. the Kansas City Star called it, quote, too irreverent, lurid, and expressionistic to qualify as journalism, yet too serious to be dismissed as mere exploitation. Wow. That being said, this is in 2004. I think it was not the right time. And if it came out today, then I think it would have been received. Maybe, yeah. Received more. Positively? Positively, Yeah. Uh, where are we? So, then after Brudella's arrest and conviction, um, I feel like I skipped something. I did. Well, you already talked. I did. You already talked about the collector, right? Yes, but no, but no. What I skipped was so. Speaking of James Elroy, um, which, like, I was I forgot a segue. Um, so James Elroy has a band. Okay. Um, like, yeah, yes, he has a band. And they are called the Demon Dogs. Oh. And the Demon Dogs have a ballad written about Robert Burdella. Um, Interesting. Can, you can find a video of them playing it, but I couldn't really find a title. Okay. And so it appears, based on the video that I found, to just be called Bob Burdella Ballad. Oh. Yeah. Creative. Yeah. But, um... After Bordella's arrest and conviction, a local radio personality also wrote a parody song called They Call Me Bob Bordella to the tune okay. of the Donovan's 1966 single Mellow Yellow. And okay. the parody played on local radio stations, which also gave out prizes to listeners who attended events wearing dog collars. Uh, that seems a little problematic. Cool. It was real funny up until the dog collar thing. I was I was with him. Until they did that. Yeah, I'm all about bringing these psychopaths down to size. But, but we don't need uh, to victim shame. We don't, we don't, yeah, we don't need I, to do I that. I don't think that the dog collar was there a style a living... choice on Bryson's behalf. Yeah, and there's a survivor. We don't yes. need to be doing this. Yes, and honestly, like, no offense, but he probably was working it. I don't know, man. Like, it, he he ran naked through a relatively like middle class neighborhood like a typical like neighborhood 
with nothing but a dog collar. And I don't hear yeah, and I don't people, hear anybody saying, "Oh my God, he looked terrible." Like I don't hear them saying he looked good, but I don't hear them saying he looked terrible. I think if if he was a uh, in the area when somebody was showing up wearing that, then uh, I can see how that would be a little bit triggering, a little bit uh, fucked up for him. One thousand percent. Yeah, like I would be. I can't even imagine. I yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, like, I can't imagine. And for the record, I just looked up Chris Bryson, not a bad-looking dude. All right. Just wanted to put that out there. Because you know what? Sometimes that's something that you need. You need that little bit. He I had a, so. He had a horrific life or moment in his life. I hope that his entire life wasn't just revolving around that singular moment. Yeah. Um, for some people it does, which there's no shame in that. But for what it's worth... Good looking dude. Um, good to know. Good to know. I'm just, I, Elliot, can we cut all that out? Um, so then. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> then there's also a song called Diary of Torture by the metal band Macabre from their 2009 album Murder Metal. And the song is subtitled Robert Burdella. Um, the song itself is called Diary of Torture. And the okay. band actually based the song on the crimes of Burdella. And lyrics from the song include, quote, Robert Burdella would torture young fellows until they were skin and bones. And when they were dead, the garbage man would take them away from his home. Which oh, wow. reads to me, honestly, like more of a ska song or maybe a nursery rhyme. But I'm like, sure it was said with a lot more... I mean, anger yeah but like overall yeah that's accurate yeah i mean there's facts there's facts but still but like okay all right um there's also a 2009 film titled Berdella, which is based on Berdella's life and crimes between 1984 and 88 it was written and directed by bill taft and co-directed by paul south and the film stars seth correa as Berdella. The film doesn't have, like, a rating or critical consensus or anything on Rotten Tomatoes, but it mm-hmm. does have 3.2 stars on IMDb, and the Kansas City Pitch called it, quote, torture to sit through. Ooh! Yeah! I don't know if I like that review. That seems a little bit... <laughs> on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. A little not a little too A little too rough, especially, like, this is Kansas City. Yeah. Like, you should know better, Kansas City. This happened in your backyard. Yeah. Um, Berdella is also mentioned in just, like, a ton of books, um, including the one that I mentioned earlier that the documentary was based on, which is Rites of Burial by Tom Jackman. Mm -hmm. But then there's also, excuse me, True Crime Missouri, the state's most notorious criminal cases by David Krajicek, K-R-A-J-I-C-E-K, maybe? Okay. And John Marlowe's Chambers of Horror, Monstrous Crimes of the Modern Age. But mm. there's like, there's a ton. People, yeah. like, people have written about him, but for whatever reason, he's just... Just not as... Not mentioned uh, as often. Yeah. Like, in in discussions and whatnot. But that is the case of the fucking sicko Robert Burdella, the Kansas City Butcher. Crazy, man. Yeah, it's going to take a while to recover from that one. That's a fucked up one. Yeah. So, uh, 
on the website, we won't be having any crime scene photos or anything. No, we will because, not. Because uh, that's not chill. That's not chill. And also, like, let these victims just... Don't... Don't do that to them. Don't... No, I don't need to see some torture photos. But I don't need we to will see some have, torture photos. We will have... Uh, I'll try to get a reading list of all of those books that he's mentioned in and everything. Yeah. Um... I want to find that ballad, which is a very weird... Oh, the ballad uh, is easy to find. Okay. Like, we'll it's also very, post it, but the ballad is easy to find. Very peculiar to write a ballad about a serial yeah, killer, but all right. Yeah, not quite sure why you would write a ballad about him. Like, a metal song Intrigued. I can understand. <laughs> yeah, we'll also put that up there. So yeah, oh, the we're website, also putting that up there, yes. <laughs> the website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And that'll have links to all of our social media, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, also the Patreon that you can subscribe to for as little as a dollar. Yeah, true. Little as a dollar. Like, as little we'll take as your a dollar. dollar. A dollar makes I me love dollar. A, I love a dollar. Dollar dollar bills. Can we, can we anyway. kill me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Next episode. Just, can I die, please? Oh. <laughs> Uh, no, some so, some some sick uh, fuck is going to be listening to this. I know. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. Some... No, it's all right. There was a really loud motorcycle that just went by. No, I heard it. Um, but I was trying to make <laughs> a joke based on your uh. Um, somebody's going to take me up on that one day. You know that, right? Someone's going to listen and be like, "All right, sign me up," and that's going to be the end of this. All right. I, I mean, I believe it because you live in a super sketchy area. But oh, I live in a. You have no idea. Did I tell you? Did I mention on this podcast that like a week ago somebody was knocking on my door and ringing the doorbell and like trying to like get me to answer the door for like five minutes? That's and so creepy. When That's I, like literally my nightmare. Um, it gets worse because every time I tried to look outside the peephole, which was like two, three times, they were standing away from the peephole so you couldn't <gasps> see. Yeah. No, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't like it either. It's anyway. okay, guys. It's okay. <laughs> Every, uh, we, every week it just means I've survived yeah we will see you next Tuesday we will thanks for listening bye bye